0: The Daily 202's big idea is sponsored by Delta Airlines. Delta has partnered with 55 academic institutions to create a pipeline of the next generation of pilots and technicians. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, November 20th. In today's news, thousands of Californians who fled fire are now facing floods. A judge issues a restraining order to block President Trump from denying asylum to the caravan from Honduras. And Nancy Pelosi is teetering on the edge of trouble. But first, the big idea. Ivanka Trump often conducted government business last year using a personal email account in violation of federal records rules. White House ethics officials learned of her repeated use of personal email when reviewing emails gathered last fall by five cabinet agencies to respond to a public records lawsuit. That review revealed that throughout much of 2017, she often discussed or relayed official White House business using a private email account with a domain that she shares with her husband, Jared Kushner. My colleagues Carol Lenning and Josh Dossi report that this discovery alarmed some advisors to President Trump who feared that his daughter's practices bore striking similarities to the personal email use of Hillary Clinton. During his campaign, Donald Trump called Clinton's personal email use, quote, bigger than Watergate. Trump supporters still chant lock her up at his rallies. And the president, nearly two years into his administration, continues to tweet about the Clinton emails. Some aides were startled by the volume of Ivanka Trump's personal emails and taken aback by her response when questioned about the practice. She said she was not familiar with some details of the rules. The White House referred requests for comment to Ivanka Trump's attorney. That attorney acknowledged that the president's daughter occasionally used her private email, but he said none of her messages contained classified information. For what it's worth, that's exactly what the Clinton lawyer said initially, too. After discovering the extent of Ivanka's email use in September 2017, White House lawyers relied on her attorneys to review her emails to determine which were personal and which were official business. The White House counsel's office did not have access to her personal account and couldn't review it without potentially violating privileged communications between her and her attorneys. After the review, Ivanka forwarded emails that her lawyers determined were related to official business to her White House email account. They say this has rectified any violations of the law. A former senior U.S. government official who spoke on condition of anonymity to describe internal dynamics tells the Post, quote, she was the worst offender in the White House. That begs the question, if she's the worst offender, that means there are others who could potentially be violating the Presidential Records Act. Perhaps the Democratic-controlled House will soon try to find out. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the death toll from the campfire in California rose again to 79 as 699 people remain listed as missing. The number of missing people has decreased by almost 300 from a day earlier, and a local sheriff warns that the list of the missing may include repeated or misspelled names. The blaze was 70% contained as of Monday night, and expected rain will likely suppress the fire. But heavy rains also mean that thousands of people who are living in tents since losing their homes face the threat of being washed out. The most devastating fire in California history began 12 days ago now prompting a hectic evacuation that has left 52,000 people in hotels, the homes of relatives, parking lots, and, yes, makeshift shelters. More than 120 people have been taken to hospitals in recent days in the Golden State with stomach ailments that resemble the symptoms of norovirus, a highly contagious infection. Meanwhile, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke blamed the devastation of the fire on, quote, radical environmentalists who supposedly prevent forest management, in an interview with the conservative site Breitbart News, Zinke said now's not the time for finger pointing. Then literally in the very next sentence, he added, quote, but this is on them. Number two, a federal judge blocked the Trump administration from denying asylum to migrants at the southern border. In a ruling issued late Monday night, John Tygar of the U.S. District Court in San Francisco issued a temporary nationwide restraining order barring enforcement of the new policy. The judge's order remains in effect until December 19th, at which point the court will consider arguments for a permanent order. The administration is expected to appeal. Judge Tigar wrote, quote, whatever the scope of the president's authority, he may not rewrite the immigration laws to impose a condition that Congress has expressly forbidden. Meanwhile, we're learning that Trump administration officials have been privately suggesting that U.S. census data might be shared with law enforcement that could be used to assist with rounding up undocumented immigrants for deportation. This is something that's actually barred by federal law, but the very discussion of it might deter Latinos from filling out the forms. The subject came up after a congressional hearing back in May, when Democratic Congressman Jimmy Gomez submitted a written query about whether the Justice Department agreed with a memo it had issued back in 2010, saying the USA Patriot Act could not override the confidentiality of the census, which dates back centuries. In a June 12th email, department officials discussed among themselves how to answer Gomez's question in a way that left the answer open and gave themselves wiggle room. Justice Department Attorney Ben Aquinaga suggested that they not say too much in response to the question in case the issue were, quote, to come up later for renewed debate. Number three, 16 Democratic House members signed an open letter yesterday saying they will oppose Nancy Pelosi's bid for speaker on the floor. The insurrection stands as the only official obstacle left to unity in the top leadership ranks after Representative Diana DeGette from Denver withdrew her challenge on Monday for the number three job currently held by Jim Clyburn from South Carolina. Two Democratic aides say that Pelosi has inquired with at least one incoming member about whether that person would be willing to vote present, a move that would lower the threshold for becoming speaker while also allowing Pelosi's Democratic critics to keep their word in opposing her. One of Pelosi's main antagonists, Seth Moulton from Massachusetts, was confronted by pro-Pelosi protesters at a town hall in his district on Monday night. Moulton heard an earful from Pelosi supporters, including from about 20 who held signs reading, I stand with Nancy. Many see sexism and ageism in the push to oust her. Pelosi can afford to lose 16 Democratic votes on the floor, and there are 16 signatures on that new letter but there are also a handful of Democrats who promised to oppose her on the campaign trail but did not sign the letter. A new CBS poll finds Democratic voters divided on whether Pelosi should retake the speakership. 49% of Democrats say they would like to see her take the gavel again, while 40% say they would prefer someone new. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, November 20th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.